This week's episode of the Cinema Geekly Podcast is brought to you by HostGator.com. Whether you're looking to build a website for your business, for home use, your personal blog, or even a podcast of your very own, there is no better place to turn to than HostGator.com. With packages starting as low as $7 a month, HostGator provides a ton of bandwidth and hosting storage space for your website or blog. HostGator also boasts 24-7 tech support, all based in the United States, and they guarantee uptime of your website 99.9% of the time. And just for Cinema Geekly listeners, you can enter the coupon code CINEMAGEEKLY at checkout and save 25% off of your hosting order. This week's episode of the Cinema Geekly Podcast also brought to you by Amazon.com. If you're looking for a way to help support the Cinema Geekly website with no additional cost to you, and you shop on Amazon, then we have the perfect solution. Head to CinemaGeekly.com, and on the right-hand side of the page, we have a link that takes you directly to Amazon. In fact, we even recommend that you bookmark that link and use it every time you shop at Amazon. Because if you do, every time you shop at Amazon.com, 8 to 10% of your purchase gets sent from Amazon back to Cinema Geekly to help support the CinemaGeekly.com website. It doesn't matter whether you buy a Blu-ray or a PlayStation 4 or even if you buy a, a kayak. It doesn't matter how big or how small the order is. Every single purchase you make comes back and helps the CinemaGeekly.com website. All in part thanks to Amazon.com. It's time for the Cinema Geekly Podcast, episode 56. I'm Anthony Lewis. And I'm Glenn Beauvais. Thanks for checking us out on CinemaGeekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, and Tumblr. Uh, we're going to talk about the week that was in movies and TV. Uh, for the most part, uh, we're going to try to talk about the week that was in movies and TV. Glenn does not get, get to watch a lot of television, so uh, uh, we'll talk very loosely, walking on eggshells about the week in TV. Uh, but the first thing we should probably bring up after the last podcast uh, was posted, you uh, you uh, put up yet another House of Cards trailer that yeah. uh, that Netflix has put out. And, uh, man, that show did... Uh, I, I'm going to use this as the lead-in. Uh, they gotta be they got to be happy with uh, the news that uh, Robin Wright took home the uh, the Golden Globe for mm-hmm. Best Actress, right? And... Uh, in a was it for best actress in a drama and yeah it was best actress in a drama in a, in a television uh, they're also probably really excited that Breaking Bad is no longer airing so <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I just wanted to, the the trailer for House the second season of House of Cards is awesome and I can't wait to watch it for sure but uh, was that uh, I want to just hop into Golden Globes talk real quick because that just happened uh, is is that the first major award a Netflix show has won? Because uh, I think they won some. They won stuff. in the Emmys, like they they won right. they they won just the the. I think achievement in directing 
Rich right, David Fitchner right. won. I think that that's really like one of the main things they've they've actually won. Yeah, and I think depending on who you talk to, the Emmys might not even count. So <laughs> it's all about the Hollywood foreign press, Glenn, and uh, those uh, those foreign people that write in newspapers but not really because newspapers are dead so they write blogs or something now i don't know uh but those people have quite quite the award ceremony with the golden globes and uh yeah kevin spacey was nominated for uh best actor i think house of cards was nominated for best show Mm -hmm. uh and robin uh robin wright actually took home the award for uh for best actress uh did you um did you get to see uh, or at least read the uh, the Golden Globe results. Were there was there anything that uh, surprised you at all? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't get to watch all of it. I watched all the clips of the people who won. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing that I wouldn't say was a shock, but it was kind of weird. I, I just always imagined Fassbender was going to win for uh, Best Supporting Actor and Jared Leto getting it. Nothing to take yeah. away from Jared Leto because right. he's he's really good in Dallas Buyers Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just that. I, whatever that I saw that I was kind of like oh okay um, and then the other one that surprised me was uh, I didn't know with the screenwriting I didn't know the screenwriting didn't do two awards because in the Oscars they do best adapted right and then they do best original. original and I, I was not surprised the original went to her because I watched it this past weekend it, it's definitely it's pretty original. Uh, it's something, uh, and uh, I don't. I guess uh, I was surprised that like Captain Phillips didn't win anything. That Twelve Years a Slave, outside of Best Motion Picture, right? Uh, did it? I mean, it. I don't know. It kind of seemed like this year's Golden Globes. It kind of varied out the the winners. Like every little film, kind of each kind of won their own little thing. Right. Right. Um, the so. only the only big surprise for me. This is completely unrelated to film. Was TV. Uh, I can't believe that Brooklyn Nine-Nine swept the comedy awards. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never seen it. I mean, like, I've seen a couple of episodes. Like, I've seen an episode, and it right. seems okay. Like, but I've never watched an episode. I've only seen the previews, and I'm like, this show looks terrible. And yet here <laughs> it is, winning Best Comedic uh, Television Show. And, uh, God, uh, Andy Samberg, of all people, won Best uh, Actor in a Comedy Show. Uh, that was crazy. I, I just assumed that uh, Jim Parsons from Big Bang Theory wins all those awards yeah. every year, but apparently that's just Emmys. Uh, Don Cheadle won last year, which you've ever seen House of Lies. It's it's pretty good. It's on Showtime. Uh, no. But I, I just figured he was going to win uh, just because it's not the Emmys, and Jim Parsons always won the Emmys, not not necessarily Golden Globes. But Are you, uh, are you in the uh, – it seems like it grows every year. Uh, there's a there's a group of people who think it's kind of ridiculous that they uh, that the Golden Globes split uh, split up the the Best Picture <laughs> thing into I mean because they'll have like a Best uh, you know comedy or whatever and uh, didn't they put her in like with the Best Comedy or something? is uh, that a comedy? Uh, well, we, when we talk about it more later, uh, the first twenty five minutes I would say are. It's almost like watching Jackass because it's just swearing and cussing. It doesn't, not really coherent. Uh, but no, it, it is. I would not consider it a comedy. It is very soul crushing. Uh, after it once uh, Samantha, his operating system comes into the show, I would say that there's really not that much more comedy left after that. So okay, so 
uh, <laughs> why do these movies get lumped in? Is it because they have all these movies they want to nominate, but they're afraid to have just a giant category? Or Yeah, I guess. I mean, like, uh, whenever Leonardo DiCaprio won for Best Actor in a Musical or a Comedy, right? <laughs> he even goes up there and he says, you know, uh, congratulations to all my other comedians that were nominated tonight. And it's kind of like, I've never, I haven't seen Wolf of Wall Street yet, but I, you know, it's, I wouldn't really consider it. It's probably not, I mean, it's Martin Scorsese, so it's going to be funny, but it's really dark humor. Right, right. Uh, American Hustle, I guess it's kind of a comedy. Uh, it's not, it, it I mean, seems it's, like these movies, all, right. I was going to say, it seems like these movies have comedic elements to them, yeah. but that they are not uh, at their core, a comedy, like say, the world's end or you know something like that which is like a true comedy which which by the way i think should have gotten some kind of award nod but i don't think it's gonna um but yeah i i, I wasn't really too surprised at anything uh 12 years of slave winning best picture didn't shock me at all uh alfonso Cuaron winning best director that didn't uh surprise me because i don't think he's gonna get uh the best picture or anything like that oh no no um, the, the competition is way too steep, uh, and it was a really good movie, but the competition is way too steep, but he did direct the shit out of that movie and, uh, that's well-earned and whatnot. Uh, the, the question is, do you think how much of this is going to translate over into Oscars? Are there sure things for the Oscar or is the, or is the, uh, the field just too deep this year that it's tough to, to say anything's a sure thing? I would say the only sure thing is that Jennifer Lawrence is going to win Best Supporting Actress. Uh, that everybody loves her, and she's really good in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, that's just at this point, it's really just a given that she's going to win. I mean, her character is completely absurd and zany, but I mean, right. she's really good in the movie. It, the Best Actor is going to be really interesting because Matthew Conaghy won, and I think he should have won. Right. Uh, but there is, I mean, I haven't seen Mandela Long Walk to Freedom, and I hear Idris Elba is absolutely amazing in that movie mm-hmm. uh and, just, and even joaquin phoenix is very good and her just the fact that almost the whole movie the main person he has interaction with isn't on the screen and more than likely wasn't ever on set with him yeah um uh, i saw i saw scar joe was on the daily show and mm-hmm. uh yeah she said that uh she barely worked with him at all and never on camera or anything like that obviously um, and her role was mostly voiceover. Yeah. So my guess is Joaquin Phoenix was probably acting to some, some, you know, probably some, you know, 300 pound key grip or whatever, like standing <laughs> off camera saying the computer's lines or whatever. And he was just reacting off of that. You know what I mean? So, uh, to me, I think that gets even more, I mean, to me, that's like the into the Andy circus realm where, you know, you're wearing like a green leotard with dots all over you. And you still put out the performance that you put out, you know, surrounded by green screen and all this other shit. Uh, and you still put out the performance, you, you know, to me, people deserve that sort of thing. When you're acting against, um, you know, nothing. Uh, the, the the first instance of that, I can actually remember uh, seeing something like that was. Um, Castaway. Um, that's, oh, that's Castaway. Well, that's I was going to say my argument is Castaway versus Gladiator. Like Russell Crowe's good in Gladiator, but Tom Hanks is by himself. Yeah, the Tom whole Hanks. Movie. Act, Tom Hanks <laughs> acted with a, a volleyball, and actually made you feel upset when he lost his volleyball. Um, no, I mean, I like I I remember all the way back with uh, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, where Kirk and Khan, uh, Shatner and Ricardo Montalban never actually spent any screen time together. They filmed Montalban's part separately they never appeared next to each other in the movie at all 
so basically they filmed two completely separate parts. So Maltoban was acting to nobody, uh, essentially somebody reading Shatner's lines to him. And then, uh, you know, then they filmed all of, you know, Shatner stuff later and Khan only ever appeared to Kirk on a view screen in that movie. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's movie magic or whatever, but it takes really talented people to, to do performances like that when you don't have other people to work off of, uh, right there next to you. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's skill. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, uh, kudos, I would say, uh, to Joaquin Phoenix. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I, I've, uh, it's in my, it's definitely in my queue to watch. So, uh, and I, and I hear it's fantastic, so I can't wait. Yeah, I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to eagerly wait for you to try to n- try hard to not spoil it entirely for me later in the podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll I'll keep it pretty spoiler-free. <clears throat> uh Aaron should be real happy. Uh the uh the uh, the magazine Entertainment Weekly put out some clips from the All Hail the King Marvel one-shot which we were pontificating about just last week on the podcast, and lo and behold it is in fact Ben Kingsley, Trevor Slattery. Or maybe the Mandarin, I don't know, but he's in prison, and uh, the the Marvel one-shot is definitely about him. So Aaron is at least correct on that part, uh, that it's uh, that it's about Ben Kingsley's Trevor Slattery, and uh, possibly uh, uh, a revelation that he is, in fact, the actual real Mandarin, and was uh, using Aldrich Killian in that uh, last Iron Man movie to kind of uh, do his bidding for him, like... Uh, you know, he was the the puppeteer or whatever. Uh, so that is possibly the case. Um, I, I don't know for sure, but uh, now that they've confirmed that's who it's about, uh, they they did say way back when, when they announced that they were shooting this, that uh, nobody was going to speak ill of the Mandarin plot in Iron Man 3 anymore uh, after they watched the one shot. So uh, once again, the Prophet of Geek is spot on. So holy shit. Uh, he called it way back. So, uh, one of these times, he's actually going to have to be wrong. I think, statistically speaking, <laughs> he's going to actually have to be wrong at some point. Um, you know what? I, I should mention this. You haven't. Uh, you're not keeping up with uh, Agents of Shield, but uh, that show just recently came back from its uh, from its winter break, I guess, or the holiday season break. I don't even know. I, I thought mid. I thought it was a mid season break, but I thought mid season breaks were longer than that. So I don't know, because it only felt like it was a month or something that they were off and then they came back. Um, but their first episode back was really strong. And uh, I think the best of the series so far. So um, it, it may be picking up over there. And Aaron, I know I know Aaron wants to come on, I believe, next week and uh, and, and talk about all this. So uh, I'm going to allow him that space. Because uh, I'm sure there's stuff going on right now that he knows uh, he can read deeper into than I can with my uh, minimal amount of... Uh, of knowledge uh, as it pertains to such things. Uh, but I did, uh, Glenn, I know you're really excited to watch Sherlock when that appear, uh, <laughs> premieres, when it appears, when it premieres on um, PBS on uh, Masterpiece uh, on the 18th, I want to say, I think is when it debuts yeah. in, in the United States. So that's uh, this coming Saturday. Uh, I've already, I've already watched the first two episodes. I talked a little bit about the empty hearse, which was the first episode. Uh, and the second episode is is better, I believe, than the than the first one, even better. Um, and the uh, the whole episode actually takes place during uh, Watson's wedding. Uh, oh, I believe okay. It's, I believe it's the wedding reception is where the the bulk of the episode actually takes place. 
Um, but it's it's truly tremendous. Uh, you, I think you may thoroughly enjoy Sherlock's speech as best man because <laughs> um, it's it's truly tremendous. It went in one direction, which I, I totally uh, they I don't know they swerved me. I thought it was gonna go in one direction, and they kind of uh, turned it around, made it really heartfelt and stuff. And it was it was really it was really well done. Um, uh, but basically the, um, um, through the recanting of Sherlock's stories about John, uh, they, he begins to realize that there's a, there's a whole slew of these cases that they have not, uh, solved recently. Uh, and while they seem unrelated on the surface, it becomes, it becomes apparent that they are in fact related and it ties into the, the, the reception party that they're at. So it's, it's, it's all really well done. Uh, and the, uh, the third episode is already aired on BBC. This, I can't stand the British way of, of doing television shows. And it's, and it's not like this thing where British act, where I've heard British actors are like, Oh yes, yes, this is a superior way that tele- television should be done this way. Uh, I won't argue that shows from that I've seen from the BBC have been, uh, fantastic because they have and i think part of that probably has a lot to do with the fact that they do shorter seasons uh which means that they don't have to overly complicate a plot or stretch things out to make it last for 24 episodes or something like that um but i've heard plenty of actors that are like i like the american way of doing things more because you know i i get to keep my job a lot longer um I mean, I'm sure Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman are both not hurting for employment opportunities. No, uh, they they both got the Hobbit, so I don't think they'll ever have to work again. But I mean, they've got a uh, three. I mean, they do three episodes and then that's it. Poof, uh, gone. And the three episodes have already aired. And I'm not used to this. I'm used to like weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of you know programming, and then there's a long break. But then you know there's more weeks and weeks and weeks of TV to come in the future. Not with this show. Uh, this show, it's three episodes, and that's it. See you in a couple of years. And they, they, they just threw them out fast. Um, all three episodes have already aired in the UK before a single episode has aired in the United States. So, uh, Did you see the Star Wars Episode Seven news, Glenn? Yep. This is interesting. <laughs> this is really interesting. This is from uh, The Hollywood Reporter. And... Um, Basically, there's, they talked about a lot of rumors, uh, essentially. Uh, but the one thing that they did talk about uh, for a big chunk of this article is uh, Michael Arndt leaving as the the writer. Uh, and those uh, Lawrence Kasdan was was doing some of the writing with Arndt, I believe, anyway. But uh, they got rid of Arndt, who did uh, Toy Story three, correct? I think he wrote yeah. Toy Story three, um, and then it was basically it was just J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan redoing it. Um, and I guess the rumors that have popped out uh, about this are uh, are in relation to Arndt's script, which apparently focused on the uh, the children of Luke Skywalker and uh, Han Solo and Princess Leia. Although saying it in that way makes it sound like all three of them came together to have children, which is just wrong. Um, <laughs> I think they meant you know Luke Skywalker has some sort of uh, companion, something along those lines. Um, with the uh, original trilogy's heroes uh, being Ford, Fisher, and, and Hamill taking on supporting roles. Uh, apparently, though, according according to Hollywood Reporter, Abrams and uh, Kasdan's script is going to be putting Fisher, Hamill, and Ford 
in in the uh, the front of the focus and having the children be minor uh, I don't know if minor is the right word but lesser characters a supporting role until the eighth and ninth films when they kind of take over I guess with the idea being that they want to give uh, Luke Skywalker Han Solo and Princess Leia like a you know a, a fond farewell and to to put them in the background would uh, would not do that I guess um, presuming that this is true Glenn. Uh, is this a, is this a good idea or no? Um, cause I mean, we're talking about talented, very talented people. I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying they're not talented or whatever. Obviously very talented people, but aged, let's just say that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen Mark Hamill lately, but, uh, he looks pretty rough. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I understand where he's coming from. I mean, this is a guy who loved Star Wars. That was his thing as a child and for a lot of kids. And, you know, I mean, I'm wants, sure he's... he wants yeah, okay. he wants to see those characters one yeah. more time. That's his business. But at the same time, like, you know, we, we've seen those three. Uh, they have their story. And I think they could you could have them, you know, be supporting characters and have plenty of screen time that would be fine for anybody right. as long as you know you don't whoever you plug it in the in the lead to fill that void isn't Hayden Christensen right so. right, right um yeah I just I mean I, I don't know I mean I don't think you can I don't, I don't think you can put them I mean because Star Wars first and foremost is is popcorn it's a popcorn movie it's action and adventure and I don't know if people uh, at the age of Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford. I mean, I know Harrison Ford did that indie pick uh, not all that long ago, and he was still, you know, pretty darn active in that. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I felt like the thing to do would be to not focus on the, you know, because you, I mean, you want to reserve judgment for the story, obviously, and see how it turns out. And I still can't imagine that anything they churn out will be nearly as bad as like episode one or episode two or uh big chunks of episode three. But, uh, you know, at the same time, you God, you're going to get so many people that are going to be like, you're only doing this to, you know, cash in, which is, you know, true. Why the fuck else would Disney have bought this franchise in the first <laughs> place? If not to cash in, um, this, this really, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm holding uh, reserved judgment on all of it, but uh, to me, the real exciting thing is the possibility that now George Lucas is not really involved with Star Wars anymore. That really heightens the possibility that Disney may, in fact, release the original unaltered versions of Star Wars on Blu-ray, which, uh, if they really do want to make money, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's how you do it right there. You can forget about all this other shit. I know they're doing a Boba Fett movie, and Lawrence Kasdan is apparently writing that as well. Um they're going to quickly fall into the, the Spider-Man trap of doing like a bazillion. Because, uh, you know, I know why Sony's doing that as well, because that's like Sony's only property. So they're going to be like, well, we can't get any of that Avengers money, so we'll just make our own Avengers with Spider-Man and the millions of characters from those comic books. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes. I just I don't know if that's necessarily the best idea of putting those guys in the lead and i and, and again it, it all depends on what that really means too um like if uh jj abrams has visions of luke skywalker doing like lightsaber fights and stuff you know i don't know we'll see how 
we'll see how that all goes. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing all of them, obviously. I think they're all really talented, but uh, I don't know. It just That seemed like the the easy thing to do would be to have them in the movie, but, you know, do what he did with uh, Leonard Nimoy in uh, Star Trek 09, where he was in the movie, and he definitely played an important role in the the, the direction of the movie, but, you know, it was not focused on him, uh, nor, yeah. should it, nor should it have been. I mean, you could have him, like, I don't know how they're doing it, but if they're going, like, on an adventure as a group or something, you know, Han could still, you know, fly the ship and, right. you know... You just insert Luke Skywalker as Obi Wan Kenobi as blasphemous as that may sound, and have him—I don't know—training the kids how to fight with sabers and stuff. Right. I don't. Well, I mean, he wouldn't have to be Obi Wan, but I mean, he'd be the Obi Wan character in this movie. Yeah, that's what I mean. He could just yeah, fill he's... those shoes, and as as the older sage guy who can show you how to kick some ass. Right. He's he's graduated to that to that level or whatever. Yeah. I mean, to me that that makes sense. I and I heard the the latest casting rumor as well that they. Uh, I guess they're looking. I can't. God, I feel bad for not remembering the actor's name, but he was uh, Todd in Breaking Bad. It's, oh, Jesse Plemons. Yeah, as the uh, the guy they're looking at to be one of the main characters, possibly the son of Luke Skywalker. Um, which I don't know how I feel about that. I only know I only really know him as Todd, uh, like the creepy, it. the creepiest human being of all time. Uh, so I don't know if I could root for that guy. God, he was he was such a creepy guy. Um, did, did you say you liked it or you didn't like it? <laughs> I don't. I don't like it because I don't think you should have a uh, a franchise hindered to a ginger as your as your lead. <laughs> no, I, doom. I, I mean he's good. I've seen him in. A, he was on that show Friday Night Lights before Breaking Bad, and he was in that god awful Battleship movie. Um, but he's good. But I'm the same way as you. Like it just kind of gets to a point where I'm not going to ever see that actor as somebody else. Like Aaron Paul, you know, we've joked about with Need for Speed, but I wholeheartedly am going to go in that movie as Jesse Plemons getting, or Jesse Plemons, as Jesse getting out and escaping at the end of Breaking Bad. Like that is, uh, he's just Jesse to me at this point. Well, I mean, God, even at the Golden Globes when they won uh, for Best uh, Dramatic Television Show, he's still doing Jesse, like after all <laughs> this. And it's it's like Aaron Paul has something to say, and he was just like, yeah, bitch. And that was, that was it. <laughs> uh,. So, yeah, that, uh, you know, I mean, he embraces it or whatever, and that's cool. Uh, but hopefully he doesn't get, you know, stuck with it forever. I mean, nobody deserves to be stuck with one thing for, you know, their uh, their entire life if they're trying to talented. diversify or whatever. He's very, very talented. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, let me see here. Game of Thrones Season 4 trailer is up on the website. Um, Glenn thinks he might be getting Have you watched any previous Game of Thrones uh, uh seasons? The only thing I've seen of Game of Thrones was when I was watching a clip of uh, the top ten actors who, who've died on screen. And, of course, uh, number one being Sean Bean. Of course. So him being beheaded is the only thing I've ever seen of Game of Thrones. Yeah, they uh, King Joffrey puts his head on a pike and then makes, uh, his, and then makes uh, Sean Bean's daughter come out and see her dad's head on a pike. Um, and, and they're supposed to marry each other as well. And he's like, that's what you get. Your dad's a traitor. And if you badmouth me, your head's up on a pike too, bitch. Uh, so that was, uh, that's the gist of that scene, but <laughs> Game of Thrones, <laughs> a very violent television show. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. The, the season four trailer looked great. Uh, April, uh, April 6th is, uh, when it comes back on. Uh, speaking of HBO stuff, by the way, real quick, uh, I think they officially announced today that Newsroom is getting its third and final season. That's the uh, Aaron Sorkin written uh, program with um, 
Jeff Daniels, I want to say, is the news anchor on an MSNBC-style uh, news channel or whatever. It's, it's been pretty. I don't know if you've seen any of that, but it's been it's been okay. It's a it's a it's a decent show. Um, three seasons, though, man, that's like that's mm-hmm. really short. Well, I mean, Sorkin did uh, The West Wing, right? And that got a bunch of seasons, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Studio, well, Studio 60 got canceled, but. Right, right. It, that was only 13 episodes, I think. Um, also up on the website, uh, Dan has a new, uh, Dan O'Neill has another retro review up. Uh, Bubble from 2005. Have you seen this? This is a Soderbergh movie. Uh, no, I saw the picture of it, and it absolutely scared the shit out of me so i was like i don't even want to look at this um dan highly recommends it's for for kiki glasses uh he gave it so um yeah go check out go check out the review there's a trailer um which i have not gotten around to watching yet but just the image of the trailer looks creepier than the image that i used on the website glenn oh yeah it does (laughs) it's probably good it's soderbergh i don't think he does bad things Right, right, right. Um, it's uh, so he's got that review up on the website as well. But that's kind of it for uh, for stuff up on the website. Uh, there, again, an, another slow, slow week uh, as it pertains to news. But you know that's what you're going to get uh, this time of year. Uh, luckily for me, I've got a bunch of movies kind of queued up to to watch. I've got uh, Twelve Years a Slave uh, and Her. I think are on the on the list right now. I'm going to feel bad watching 12 Years a Slave, because I'm going to want to revise my top five list, I have a feeling, <laughs> um, and, and watching it. But I don't know. It's a, It came highly touted from you and about every single other uh, film critic in the world. Uh, what were your thoughts on her, though? I mean, you know, I, I, you're still planning on getting the review up on the website, I believe, so I, I don't want you to, to go all out on, on it, but I'm just a general opinion about it. Um. I say this when you first start watching it, uh, just kind of get past it. I'm not saying the beginning's bad. Uh, the beginning is just, it's very, I mean, it's made by Spike Jones, the guy who dressed up like a old lady for bad grandpa with Johnny Knoxville. I mean, right. he does have, he has those sophomore tendencies in his humor. And in the beginning part of the movie, that's, that's what it is. And, you know, uh, walking Phoenix is like playing a game and there's like a little kid on the video game that he's playing. It just like turns around. like, what the fuck you doing, buddy? And like, uh, so it kind of takes you out a little bit at the beginning. Um, but as the movie goes on, it's very, uh, the more, the more the the movie advances, the more it doesn't seem so weird that he's falling in love with his computer. Uh, A lot of it kind of makes sense, mainly because Scarlett Johansson has a very soothing voice. Um, and it it just kind of goes with that and, and just, it's soul crushing. I mean, it, it's pretty depressing of a movie. I definitely the saddest movie I've seen this year. I mean, you could say 12 years of slave was sad and it was, but it, it at least kind of, it gives you hope as the movie goes along. This movie does not uh, give you hope at all. And uh, I could see not, not spoiling anything, but right. uh, this movie could also be titled her uh, Terminator's, uh, you know, origins. Cause, uh, <laughs> that bad uh, no 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 i mean like it seems like skynet goes online at a certain point and when you watch it you'll you'll see what i mean right right i mean i don't uh, mean like bad it, like a movie but bad like you know like this is where you can see the 
the if the movie continued on past the credits, you could kind of see it heading in this direction. No, I mean it's about a computer that is always evolving and learning, and you know, because right. I mean, she she grows as much as a person does throughout this film, mm-hmm. and so you know, uh, you know, there's certain things that her, you know, she comes to certain conclusions where you're like, oh shit, well, uh, I guess Skynet's online because right. if they wanted to, they could certainly go that route. But no, it's it's a very sweet romantic movie, but. Man, uh, it's terrifying. It's it, it, it yeah. The, the subtext afterwards is very terrifying. Um, let's pay a, a bill real quick before we we move on. There's no uh, there's no Blu-ray releases for this week. Uh, there's a ton of them for next week, so we'll we'll get uh, we'll get back into that uh, uno momento. But uh, for, uh, as, a, as a result, I think we're going to talk real quickly about Amazon Prime. And uh, I know I've got to change the banner on the top of the website because <laughs> uh, Amazon Prime is, uh, in, continues to increase their streaming library uh, on, on a regular basis. Uh, and it's now somewhere in like 40 or 50,000 movies and TV shows are available uh, from Amazon Prime. And, uh, of course, the, uh, the other big... The other big selling point is the free two-day shipping on millions of items from Amazon.com. And uh, as, a, as a nice little gift from Amazon to us and then from us to you, you can go to CinemaGeekly.com, click on the banner on the top of the website, and start a one-month free trial uh, of Amazon Prime. And you get every single one of those benefits for, uh, for a whole month to try. You can uh, stream all the movies and TV shows. Uh, and of course, you received the the free two day shipping on uh, on the aforementioned millions of items. And if it's something you dig afterwards, uh, you can sign up seventy nine dollars for the year uh, for Amazon Prime. It's a one time payment, but you uh, you get it for three hundred and sixty five straight days, which means uh, uh, holiday shopping, birthdays, all that stuff. The free two day shipping has literally been a lifesaver for us because uh, we get a. Uh, we uh, we basically are, <laughs> are late shoppers when it comes to the holidays and birthdays around here, uh, so the two day shipping really comes in handy. And of course, it's available on uh, every single platform you can think of. I'm gonna have to update that as well because with the PS4 and Xbox One out, people are gonna be like Xbox 360. Get with the get with the schedule. It's 2014. Uh, so I am in fact gonna have to change uh, <laughs> this banner eventually. I think it's even got like really outdated movies on the. Uh, on the uh, on the title and stuff, I think the newest movie in there is uh, the first Hunger Games, which I think is yeah. now a couple of years old. So I may yeah. in fact have to change out uh, the the movies on there as well. So a new banner coming to the website as well. Uh, but the way this whole thing uh, balances out for us, every time you sign up for a one month free trial, um, <clears throat> every time you sign up for a one month free trial, Amazon sends us some money back uh, for uh, referring you to their service. So that's how all of that stuff works out. Uh, it's a win-win for everybody. If you don't like the one-month free trial, you can uh, you can stop as well, and uh, we still get paid. So that's a win-win. Uh, let me see here. the uh, The other thing I wanted to mention, I don't know if you saw this, Glenn, but this is uh, you know I don't want to mention this first. I want to I want to talk about the uh, the Michael Douglas thing. We didn't get a chance to talk about that because <laughs> uh, I'm curious as to where this is, what this all means. It seems so confusing. Um, Variety reported it first, I believe, and then a ton of other people started jumping on the boat that uh, Marvel had formally announced that Michael Douglas of all people is going to be uh, Hank Pym in the, uh, the Ant-Man movie. And they had just announced uh, not all that long ago um, that the guy whose name I can't remember now was also recently cast. God, Glenn, help me out here. Paul Rudd. 
Paul Rudd. Thank you. I'm sinking over here. Uh, they just recently cast uh, Paul Rudd. And we were just talking about him being Hank Pym, and Marvel all of a sudden is like, no, no, no. Michael Douglas is going to be Hank Pym. And then a lot of the articles are talking about Michael Douglas playing the villain of the film, Hank Pym. So now I'm really confused. Hank Pym was not a villain, was he, Glenn? Uh, not to my knowledge. Uh, that's why I kind of wish Aaron was here to kind of clear it up. I, I mean, I, he does some jackasses uh, things, but right, right, I, right. I would never say he's the bad guy. Um, so was, I don't was, know if they're just getting confused or. Do we know if uh, Do we know if Hank Pym was ever as old as Michael Douglas is now, like in the comics? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, he passes the torch off. He's he's older, but I don't think he's like Michael Douglas old. Um, I mean. Right. Michael Douglas is a big name. It's just like Robert Redford's going to be the new Captain America, and now they're going to and they had Ben Kingsley, and now they're going to have Michael Douglas. Like I, I'm just wondering who's going to who they're going to get next as far as like prestigious actors go. Right. I mean, if you want to legitimize the the genre, you're getting oh, yeah. incredible actors stepping into these roles, and this isn't like uh, a Sir Alec Guinness who's like walking into Star Wars for a paycheck and he's like, what the fuck is that? What am I doing here? Uh, I guess the word is Elkin has never liked Star Wars and thought it was, you know, rubbish, I guess, <laughs> which is heartbreaking because you're like, I, but I love Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, but I, I guess he always thought it was ridiculous and he was just happy to collect his paycheck or whatever. Uh, but it sounds like these dudes, you know, really want in on this. And it's not like guys like... Uh, like Michael Douglas or Ben Kingsley or, or Robert Redford, uh, these type of guys. It's not like these dudes have to take these roles. It's not like they are so hurting for cash that they need to take the comic book money. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I shouldn't speak to that. Maybe they are. Maybe they're Maybe they're on the verge of living in a refrigerator box. On the oh, I, I can tell you Michael Douglas doesn't. Uh, Michael Douglas, I forget which major production company he owns. Uh, but he, Michael Douglas is not hurting for money because he's, he owns something. I can't remember which, but what are the major movie studios? He actually has a very, very big stake in. So I, I he's not hurt for money. <laughs> right. So this sounds more and more like this is stuff they want to do. Yeah. I mean, like, if, this is if interesting. Money's right. And you know, why not? You know, it's kind of the new thing. Mm -hmm. You get someone like, you know, Hiddleston who comes from theater background, you know, right. you get, you know, just spreads the word. I mean, Hopkins, you know, same thing. You mm -hmm. know, you get these theater background guys who, you know, they like putting on costumes and dressing up. I mean, it, they just don't sing in these. That's all. Right, right. Uh, although, um, although they could in the future if uh, they, they Marvel progresses could. to that. If Marvel progresses to that point where they've they've hit six Avengers movies and they've got nothing left, then here comes Avengers the musical. Everybody. Hey, Joss Whedon's done a couple of them. So <laughs> there you, there you it go. It happen. Um, and I'm sure there's probably definitely a, a, a niche audience out there <laughs> yeah. that would like, oh, my God, that's my dream. Like, I never thought at first I thought there'd never be a comic book movie. And then I thought for sure there'd never be a comic book movie musical. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there's at least uh, like 100 or so people out there that are dying <laughs> to see Avengers the musical. Um, for For that, I would just suggest that they maybe go see Avengers on Ice whenever that happens. It is Disney. That may be as close as you get. Um, but I do want to mention this. I don't, um, I, I, my guess is that this flew over your radar. Um, and it, it probably should fly over some radars for a while. But because I'm I'm kind of like in the thick of that particular industry, at least I have been for a long time, um, it's, it's potentially 
uh, a baby step in changing the television industry? Did you read anything about um, the uh, the WWE Network when they talked when they made their announcement at uh, CES about it? Did you see anything about it? No, no. Okay, um, it's it's. I don't want to say it's going to change TV forever because um, prof- the professional wrestling business is definitely. Uh, you can't take every single television model and follow the the wrestling model. It's a very different model um, of where their you know where their money is generated and how they generate it, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But um, what they're doing, I think, is at least a baby step in uh, what what we could see in the future. And I think it might start with them first. And I think there's other places like UFC is kind of standing in the background, waiting to see how this turns out because they may want to go in that direction and. The next thing you know, uh, you could start seeing it with other sports and things like that. But essentially, they wanted to launch a network, uh, WWE did, akin to Major League Baseball Network or the uh, the NFL Network. I don't think hockey or basketball has one, but I could be wrong. They do. Oh, do they? They have their own networks as well? Okay. Uh, so. I can't speak to NHL, but NBA has their own network. Okay. Um, so WWE wanted something like this. Uh, at first, I think the, the first idea was to get an actual channel channel um, that you don't have to pay extra for. Um, and then I think they looked, and when that didn't become feasible, I think they started looking at the uh, the MLB network, which was, you know, like a premium channel that you can get in a cable package. Uh, and then when that didn't become <laughs> a reality for them, I think they started looking at like the HBO model, which is like a really premium channel. You're literally paying for that channel. Um, and then they uh, they didn't go that route either. What they're doing instead, and I think, I want to say this is the first network to actually work in this fashion. Uh, they're doing it the Netflix way, where it's going to be uh, an app that you can get on you know, everything. Uh, Playstations, Rokus, uh, various TVs and things like that. Um, where it'll kind of be like a Netflix model where they have you know a gigantic catalog of on-demand stuff. But they also have a you know a 24-hour actual live dedicated network where they're going to be airing I think all of their pay-per-views and uh, you know a whole bunch of original content and uh, and things like that um, and it's for one monthly subscription price um, and it's a cheap subscription price I should note it was like ten bucks a month um, and considering that. Uh, uh, considering that if you were to buy like all of their pay-per-views in the course of a year, I think you're spending like three or four hundred dollars just on that, uh, and ten bucks a month, you're getting all of the pay-per-views as part of that bundle. Um, I think that might be the first actual network to operate in that fashion. Like, I don't know if I don't know if HBO could uh, could work in that way. Like, I don't know if HBO could just be like, "Fuck TV, we're gonna make." Uh, we're going to take you know the HBO Go thing and we're going to air HBO live on that. You just pay for the app and then watch HBO. Um, that's what it's akin to, but I don't know if HBO could actually do that. Um, WWE is saying they need 1 million subscribers to make it to make it, you know, uh, feasible, I believe. Um, so that's what they're looking at for for that and obviously they're also fighting with uh, the pay-per-view uh, companies as well uh, because you know they're losing a uh, pay-per-view companies are going to lose a big chunk of change if WWE is cutting out them as the middleman. Um, so it, it's definitely an interesting new way of doing uh, TV. 
uh, for sure. And like I said, I think it's going to be a baby step as far as, uh, you know, the progression of how we watch TV in the future. Like, I don't think it's going to be this, uh, it's going to change everything on day one type deal. Like, I don't think it has a chance of doing that, but I definitely think it's, uh, you know, a baby step uh, in the direction of taking, a, you know, getting profits more directly to them and also at the same time giving people more of what they want. So, uh, and, uh, and I also believe that they're keeping their, their two uh, large television shows that they have on television right now. I believe those are staying right where they are because the, uh, the ad revenue money that they generate from that, uh, they'd be stupid to pass up. Uh, at this point in time, so I know they're keeping. I know they're keeping those shows on, but I think they're going to do like pre and post game, you know, type shows for all of them as well that you can watch on the network. So and like rewind shows too. Like yeah, yeah, it'll after work. it's been aired, putting yeah, it yeah, on it'll there. yeah, it'll work as a DVR as well. If you if you started uh, a show late, you can just play it from the beginning, yeah. even though it's airing live or whatever. And uh, it'll previously work. on WWE Raw. Yeah, see there you go. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a, it's a baby step, uh, I think. And, uh, I don't, I don't think there are any other networks that are similar to that, that are, are actually, uh, a standalone actual dedicated network that streams from an app. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it holds up. Uh, I know they're working with, uh, MLV, uh, MLB advanced media, uh, is doing the infrastructure for the network. And uh, those guys are kind of the king of doing this online streaming thing. I know that uh, the MLB TV stuff does have hiccups. Um, but from what I hear, out of all the networks or out of all the, the streaming applications that do this sort of thing, they have the fewest hiccups. Um, so it'll be interesting. They're, they're certainly partnering with the right people. And uh, the price is definitely good if you're, if you're a fan of, uh, of, of wrestling. So I, I think it'll definitely be uh, interesting to see if... Uh, if any, there's uh, any effect on TV, but I, I'd have to think at some point there's going to be like somebody's going to be like, I don't like wrestling, but look at what they're doing here. Like, look at this model that they're, you know, that they're doing. Why can't, you know, why can't we do that, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I, I can imagine there'd be a lot of people that would love HBO if they didn't have to pay, you know, whatever it is, a hundred bucks a month to have cable in the first place in order to subscribe to HBO. Um, I think people would go apeshit if you're like, hey, you just have to, you know, give us 14 or 15 a month for HBO and you get the, you know, download the app and you can watch, you know, everything that HBO has to offer live as it's happening and watch replays and et cetera, et cetera. People would love that, I'm sure. Uh, I just don't know how feasible that is. I don't really know enough about, um, you know, how their business is in order to, you know, whether that's a leap they could make. My graduating semester. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, I, I think it would be tremendous if TV went in that direction. Would you find yourself more apt to, uh, to watch TV if it came, you know, available to you in this way? Like if you basically, instead of having, I mean, obviously this would be like, I think it would spell the end of cable companies and a lot of people would probably lose their jobs. Um, but if you just basically had your choice of app to download, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, I'd, I only want to watch uh, my local teams or whatever, so I'll download my Fox Sports app and pay the monthly fee for that, or my HBO app, or, you know, whatever, your AMC app. Um, you know, would you, would, you, would you find yourself more willing to pay for, for television content if it came to you in that way? Yeah, I'd like to, I would pay for programming that I wanted to watch instead of getting 13 different channels, you know, that 
display infomercials and Antiques Roadshow, something that I don't watch. How dare you talk ill of Antiques Roadshow? Uh, he's not the Mark Wahlberg I need to worry about. <laughs> um, let's real, real quick, let's talk about, uh, before we wrap up, let's talk about uh, box office stuff, because there is some. There's a little bit going on. Um, top of the... Let's uh, do the top of the box office. The uh, top five, I want to say, is what we're looking at. Um, by the way, the uh, the Hobbit: Desolation of Smog finally fell in the top five. They're at number six at eight million. But American Hustle was number five at eight point three million. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street did eight point eight million. The uh, that terrible looking Legends of Hercules movie opened at <laughs> eight point nine. Uh, Frozen is still holding strong at second place, fourteen point seven million. Easily won. I, you know what, Glenn? Uh, we said that we're not sure if there's anything that's a lock. Frozen's a lock for Oscar for best animated. Picture. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Lone Survivor with uh with Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Is that the Mark Wahlberg you need to worry about, Glenn? Yeah, that, that's definitely the Mark. He was on a uh, Conan the other day, and he just straight up just goes, "If I ever see Harry Styles from One Direction, I'm just gonna punch him in the face, <laughs> and then I'm gonna get his autograph for my daughter." Of course, uh, Lone, Lone Survivor was number one at thirty-seven point eight. Uh, million dollars. Um, let me see here. Opening, uh, opening this Friday, the seventeenth. Uh, here's what is. Uh, here's what's coming out. Uh, I'm not sure how much of this is uh, all in wide or whatever. Um, the Nut Job. That's got to be a wide release, right? That's the animated movie with squirrels. With uh, Will Arnett and Catherine Heigl have been seeing it all over the place. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Um, right along with Ice Cube and Kevin Hart. Uh, that would be the movie where Kevin Hart shoots a shotgun and flies backwards 10 feet. I don't know if you saw that trailer as well. <laughs> yeah. Seen that a million times uh, as well. And also uh, Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit with uh, Chris Pine, Keira Knightley. Um, this is uh, directed by uh, gosh, who Kenneth, did this? Branagh. Kenneth Branagh, the great Kenneth Branagh, who's also in the movie uh, as well. Um, I'm worried about this, Glenn. It's a January release, so I probably shouldn't be too worried about it because we already talked about what happens in these with these January releases, um, but it doesn't look like uh, it's been released for uh, critical. Yeah, no yeah, pre-screenings, so. which is almost always a bad sign. That's <laughs> if a movie's not released for pre-screening, that's usually code for the studio is uh, terrified that it's going to get such bad press that it's going to drive away traffic to the movie. Um, that sucks. If that's the case, I love Chris Pine. Uh, Kenneth Branagh is amazing. Kevin Costner's in this as well. Um, I've liked the last few ish Jack Ryan movies. They've been all right. Even the, uh, Ben Affleck ones. Uh, so yeah, this is kind of, this kind of leaving me, uh, in a, in a bad mood. I was, I was hoping this would be okay, but, uh, after all the movies title does suggest that it may actually be a video game and not a movie. Uh, Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit sounds like something that's coming out for Xbox One and not in a movie theater. Um, but I don't know. I'm not. I'm not seeing any. Uh, I'm not seeing any reviews. So this was not pre-screened for anybody. Uh, there's nothing on this uh, whatsoever. So I don't know if there's. I don't know if there's some uh, some crazy blogger out there who's gotten a chance to see it or whatever. But um, yeah, that's not. That doesn't bode well at all uh, with uh, no pre-screening. Uh, geez. Well, now I'm in a bad mood. That's how we're going to end the podcast, Glenn. With me upset. It's really no way to end a podcast, but what can you do? Um, everything we talked about this week on the podcast, we managed to stretch it out, by the way, to uh, nearly 50 minutes. So, 
if you hate us, look, we tried really hard to stretch what little we had into, into nearly an hour, and we basically did it. Um, everything we talked about this week, you can check out on the .com, cinemageekly.com, and of course you can contact us on all the uh, social medias that we've got. We've got a bunch of them as well. Facebook, Twitter, Google+, and Tumblr, all at Cinema Geekly. And of course, if you want to contribute to the mailbag, and I suggest at this point, you contribute <laughs> to that mailbag because we're running out of stuff to talk about on this podcast. So you contribute to the mailbag, everybody. Uh, you can write in info at cinemageekly.com. If you don't have a topic of discussion or a question, you can just um, pass along like uh, some encouragement. Like, keep at it. Go ahead and Try another podcast. You'll do better next week. Yeah, uh, single of... pony boy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, throw in an outsider's reference in your email. <laughs> we will gladly accept all outsider's references. Uh, so that's a good way to end the podcast. There you go. Thanks, Glenn. You fixed it, almost. Yeah, you're welcome. You, I oh... mean, that or, you know, if you really want to get zombie sex chat gear, maybe we'll eventually make merch for it. Oh, there you go, yeah. And we got a zombie sex chat. By the way, I think that's the first time in two weeks. Uh, I think we actually went two weeks without mentioning it. No, uh, he, Cody mentioned it last week. Oh, did he? So. Okay. Well, I'm glad we're still getting these references in, because uh, Lord knows what would happen to the podcast if we did not. Uh, speaking of merch, cafepress.com slash cinemageekly is where you can uh, go to buy a whole metric ton of cinema geekly stuff uh from everything from stickers to to t-shirts to mugs to uh iphone cases and ipad skins and uh all sorts of awesome stuff with a cinema geekly logo plastered all over it um that's where you can go cafepress.com slash cinema geekly and as it pertains to the podcast we are available on itunes tune in radio and the stitcher radio app uh so pick your poison there either uh Either one of those things will uh, deliver the podcast directly to your uh, mobile device or tablet. And uh, as it relates to uh, iTunes and uh, Stitcher, please rate and review the podcast. It always uh, helps the visibility of the show when uh, when other people who have not smartened up to Cinema Geekly go looking for some quality uh, movie and TV uh, discussion. Uh, so please rate and review. Uh, and I think we we made it, Glenn. We did it. We're over 50 minutes, and I attack on some ads in there, and it'll almost be an hour long. Yeah. I think I'll be waiting a day, because it would have had nothing if it wasn't for the Michael Douglas being Hank Penn. <laughs> and confusing us. Yeah, like, uh, that was a, that's, that's why I didn't post it on there, because the, the tagline for the article, the link you go to, is just like, uh, Michael, Michael Douglas, Douglas is the villain. villain. Uh, well, as far as I know, Hank Penn is not the villain. <laughs> the and, villain. Right. and the Hank Penn... Uh, Ant-Man comics. He well, I mean, very much so. I mean, I, he beats his wife, but, you know, who doesn't? Yeah, right. I mean, especially in this day and age. Uh, <laughs> we'll leave you on that, everybody. For Glenn. Oh, I thought we were done. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're still rolling. Uh, for Glenn Beauvais, this is Anthony Lewis apologizing for Glenn Beauvais' comments. <laughs> we'll see you next week on the Cinema Geekly Podcast. Yeah.